Hey guys, welcome to season one, episode seven of the Every Plant Story podcast, the podcast where we share all sorts of plant stories from the life of us here at Gabriella Plants and around our wonderful plant community. My name is Shane Malloy, and I'm the founder and CEO of Gabriella Plants, and I'm your host for this podcast along today with my co-host, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? Great. How about you? I mean, it's a good, uh, I guess we can start saying, we said in the Madge uh, podcast that we recorded that on a Saturday, but recording this on a Wednesday, it's uh, before inventory update. Oh, yeah. It's a good day of the week. Uh, Teams are busy, and Happy to be here with you. So good to have you, Sam. Um, he's uh, Sam is our operations manager for our original growing location. Um, good to have you. And we also have today on the show, Zach, um, who is Gabriella Plants Media Director. Good to have you back, Zach. Howdy, howdy. How's your week been going? It's been good. Been uh, productive. It's always, uh, Wednesdays always have a good feel to it. You know, oh, yeah. Like you said, everybody's productive and it's that midweek grind and... It is kind of opposite of a lot of uh, workplaces, though, where like Wednesday feels like one of the slower days, you know, right. like hump day, right, like, you know, right. the week isn't quite over mm-hmm. um, for a lot of our team. You know, Wednesday's Wednesday is almost day. a yeah, almost a Thursday or a Friday in the sense that right. it's kind of the, the capstone to a lot right. of the larger projects and a lot of the larger, you know, tasks that right. especially inventory is doing and, right. and pulling all the inventory for to be sold online and stuff. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a. Uh, Something unique to us, for sure. And the Wednesday night inventory update, I mean, that's been the only thing, Sam, you've been here since the beginning. That's the only thing that's been here since 2018. Right. That's what I was going to say is that Wednesdays has kind of always been our, like, big moment every week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, in today's show, I wanted to address some of the questions that we get most often. Um, And really, when I asked, uh, we do have a Facebook group, by the way. Uh, You guys are in it. Uh, For the podcast, you can find that. It's Every Plant Story podcast the facebook group if you search facebook for every plant story and we'll of course put it in the show notes as well um but i asked there you know we didn't have a special guest for this week um and i asked there what they wanted to know more about and you know we had a lot of really great questions um posed to us and we'll get to those most of them though and i think that the crux of today's show will mostly be around um kind of just telling our story of every plant that like starts in our greenhouse Mm. and then is eventually sold uh, people have a lot of questions about, you know, soil mixes, um, kind of just the 101s of of some of the choices we make as growers at Gabriella Plants, which is kind of a different topic than some of the other, you know, kind of larger, more philosophical discussions we've had in the past, but excited for that. But before we get there, um, I want to go over some of you know, housekeeping stuff, just make sure we're all, um, yeah, just want to make sure to get the announcements out of the way first. Um, one... Uh, obviously, this is the Every Plant Story podcast, but one of the things you guys are probably starting to see for those who follow Gabriella Plants, um, you're going to start seeing a lot more pictures of nursery stakes in plants. I mean, Sam, there's a lot of nursery stakes around Gabriella now. So many. We've been dealing with that uh, stake printer for the last couple of weeks now, and it's always a joy. <laughs> yeah. Um, side note, uh, full transparency, they don't make, Zach, they don't make a nursery stake printer, really. Like, like that does exactly what we're printing. Mm. It's essentially taking a printer meant to print like shipping labels or something else in like a four by six ish size mm-hmm. and then mod basically taking it apart, modding it so that it has enough space to let the thicker stake pass through and that you can still print on it with a thermal layer. Wow. So it's kind of, yeah, there's like a, there's a whole, there's a few different You would companies. think that something like that would, you know, be around. That. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely interesting, but I think there's also, 
historically not been a whole lot of smaller greenhouses like us that mm-hmm. use nursery stakes, you know, and right. the big boys, once you're in producing, especially 10,000 of a single species, like a single skew, if you're yeah. doing 10,000 of them, oh, well then you can get probably for cheaper than we print them with that nursery stake printer, um, full color, mm-hmm. you know, delivered already. Like you would order business cards. You can just order custom nursery stakes. Right. Um, but the reason we're using the stake printer the way we are is because we have kind of a different need for it. Um, every one of those stories, st- every one of those stakes is something we call a story stake um, because it ha- contains a special QR code you probably saw on the front. Um, and each one of those is individualized. So as we continue to expand how many uh, plants we grow and all the different ways that our yearly theme of every plant has a story kind of come to fruition and and start to become something in real tangible life. Um, one of the things people will see is the story stakes and inside of those individual stakes um, right now is just some basic information like the name of the grower who planted it, um, if it was fertilized, what type of soil mix it was in, some of the things we may talk about in the show. Mm. Um, but you will start to see those nursery stakes show up, not probably until April or May, but they're on the horizon here pretty quickly. And I wanted to just put that out there because I think that that's a good um, a good housekeeping thing for people wondering why the QR code currently doesn't work. We have it turned off until we have a way to make it pretty and, and look pretty. But there is a lot of answers to the same questions that we're going to get into as far as what soils and a lot of these other things. Um, because, I mean, Sam, we definitely... One of the things we would always get asked questions about, even at local events, was, you know, well, where can I buy, you know, what kind of soil are you using so I can Mm -hmm. go find something that's similar? You know, a lot of these things that would really be beneficial if a grower could hand them off to um, the plant, you know, connoisseur who's now has that plant in their collection. It would give them a lot of backstory. I mean, one day we may even get to, you know. How often it was watered, things like that. Right. Um, just going to be a great way to tell every plant story. So I just want to make sure people knew that that is, that that's something we've talked about previously. Uh, it was in the original show t- teaser for this podcast, mm-hmm. um, but something we hadn't talked about in a while. And since we're starting to sh- show a lot of pictures, and I mean, obviously you can't take a photo nowadays without seeing them around the greenhouse. So I at least right. just wanted to put that out there. But also use that as a segue, Sam. You're you're over at our growing location. You mentioned the stake printer, and obviously um, it can be a little tricky to reload, uh, <laughs> which is really what it comes down to. It can just be tricky to reload. Um, what what else is going on at, at the growing location right now? It seems like everything's kind of blowing up at the same time with getting into spring. We're, what, almost to mid-March now, um, and you're really starting to see all the plants are really happy that it's, you know, 85 plus every day in the greenhouse. It's insane how much you see them love yeah, like oh, yeah. you said, just just a couple degrees warmer. It's amazing right. what eighty to eighty six does. Right, like, and even like a that, day or two. Yeah, and it's so much growth. There's tons of new leaves, and that's always one of the the craziest uh, parts of my family growing up. Would always take vacations in like August ish because mm-hmm. it's normally you're not quite into the planting for next spring yet, and you're you know it's just a, on the a, back a, half of the summer. Yeah, obviously. you're on the back half of the summer and the spring crops and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but. Um, also that's when it's hottest, that's when things Mm -hmm. are growing. And it was always Mm -hmm. weird to leave for like six days and then come back and be like, oh my gosh, that's like, again, not one leaf, but like you grew an entire foot in a week. How did that, yeah, how did that go on? So, well, that's exciting. And obviously that, uh, that is something we talked about with Madge on the last episode too, of just like, yeah. And the (laughs) winters can be a little bit, you know, mentally depressing when it comes Mm -hmm. to just 
it's cold. It's you right. know um, just not seeing that yeah, major growth every day. The cuttings are taking weeks. You know now yeah. they're taking days. Yeah, and then you start doing what you do anytime you need something and you have idle time. Um, pot that is watched doesn't boil whatever mm. the saying is mm. same principle with plants you're sitting there all winter like i looked at this yesterday i looked at this today and right. there is no growth and right. you know because you're almost you almost have too much time to like you know actually get too invested down into an individual plant to the point that you're like losing your mind over it right so it's cool to to see the the work pick back up and and the work picking back up as a result of the plants growing more definitely um Speaking of rooting and cuttings, I know one of the things we're working on now, it's kind of a seasonal thing we do at Gabriella, replacing stock baskets. Yeah. Um, explain that. Like we keep uh, cuttings in house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've got a lot of, uh, I mean, when we were back wholesale, we did, uh, as you know, we did a lot more uh, baskets, eight inch uh, baskets, and we'd have. Uh, we take all the cuttings from them. So they're hanging above the benches and, you know, the, the, the big runners will hang all the way down and then we'll take them down chop them up, plant a whole new batch of four inch and you'll do it, you know, I don't know, a couple times a year probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but every, every trim you're getting at bush year and bush year and it's going to have more of those like not dead nubs, but just kind of the stubs. N- yeah. Where it's, yeah. it's been chopped a few different times and it's not going to put out the same kind of growth. So eventually after like, you know, a year or two, um, you'll have baskets that really aren't putting out yeah. good cuttings. Yeah. And, and, and the good news is you normally have more cuttings, you know, they are still actively replacing. Oh, yeah. So the key is you're hundred percent right. The key is to you, you know, to replace them so that you always have the best looking you know, cuttings you can. You don't right. want that long-term degradation. Um, so I know that the team has been working hard yeah. on going through and sorting the ones that were, you know, determining how old some of them are. Right. Um, we we replace them depending on the species, I'd say, probably every six months to a year, depending on yeah. how many we have. Right. Obviously, if it's something we have a lot less of, we're going to hang on to, on to them right. for a while. Um, if it's something that we have in more readily available. Right. you know, form, then we may replace the basket sooner, but right. all to make a better plant. So that's one of the things going on. What else has been going on over there? Well, rolled into that and it kind of rolls into the next one with irrigation is we've also been doing dripper checks up and down, um, which is a fun, a fun job to get you up and down off the, the ladder, checking all these, you know, rubber drippers or what are they? What is that material? I, I, no, it's is it rubber? A, it's a plastic, plastic something. Plastic, plastic yeah. or rubber. Yeah, it's something. Like, yeah. But uh, petroleum of some kind, yeah, exactly. petroleum product. <laughs> but we've been we've been doing that, and then, like I said, kind of rolled into the irrigation. We've been replacing all of the irrigation in the Philly house, um, which has been kind of on the docket for a long time. I mean, even back in the the wholesale days, we'd had problems with some of those benches in there. So we finally oh, yeah. have got uh, probably eighty percent of it installed over there just waiting on the the sprayer heads wow uh yeah nice. the philly house just to clarify because we get this question every once in a while i'm <laughs> sure you've seen it in the behind the scenes group like yeah. oh so you're starting a shop in philadelphia right no <laughs> i i uh, sorry philly uh <laughs> sorry love you. your hopes. Yeah, yeah yeah the city of brotherly love <laughs> probably uh, a little too cold for that us great of a place yeah to have uh, a at least a not green, to have greenhouse. yeah probably not to be growing the place right. uh, maybe we'll have a shop you know, spread out across the country one day, but right. um, yeah, no, the Philly house is one of the oldest structures on the, on the property. And it's kind of been the lower on the priority list just cause it's also the smallest space mm-hmm. we have. So it, it is not nearly as 
um, utility and as easy to work in as the, our larger greenhouse that has more irrigation available and um, just as easier because you have concrete pathways to take nursery carts, stuff like right. that. So it's been nice to be able to get in there, get all those updates. And another thing, because you, you, you brought up irrigation, and I know we had this in our notes to talk about, we're also in a midst of transitioning we've had for quite a long time now for about the what last six months i yeah. mean we're slowly adding especially this year as we add new irrigation as well obviously every time you add a new valve you need to have more controllers but um we've been pushing towards um having all of our irrigation run on smart controllers um which allows us to water remotely um or put the controls of watering into tablet form on to touch, you know, iPads for the greenhouse team or like Brett, our head grower to use uh, to water the the entire greenhouse. Um, we had been using kind of just a right out of the box um, consumer irrigation controller for your front yard, but it had some limitations of being super cloud reliant, um, which we're in Florida, we get hurricanes, we lose power. Um, and not only do we lose power, we also, Oftentimes, when those poles will snap, you also lose your cable internet connection mm. for a few days. Now, at our growing location, we do have the LTE backup to our to our network over there. But regardless, having all these systems that are reliant on on other companies maintaining their servers and giving us the same access as they had previously done is something that you know we really don't want to take our chances with long long term as we build what we're doing into something that we hope to be careers. Um, so we, we went ahead and are in the midst of switching out to some uh, really open sourced based irrigation controllers, which give us a lot more uh, flexibility to put our own scripting in there. Um, and also it's far more compatible with not only the tablets and the systems that we currently use to manage our greenhouses physically, uh, but it's also in the format that we can get it into our internal web app that we use for tracking inventory and the every plant story stakes um, for plants. That may not happen right away, but we're going ahead and taking the steps to make sure that technology is there to be able to integrate the way that we want to. So that's been really cool that the Philly house, because of it being a smaller greenhouse, has kind of had the two in one. We went through and are updating the physical irrigation, the mist heads, but then we also are using it as a test bed. Right. Um, to, to test these new sprinkler controllers and stuff like that. Right. So, and that's all part of it talking in that language and it being open source and in a way that we can use it in a data sense is how we continue to evolve how much data we can pass off through the Every Plant Has a Story stakes. Um, the more that we can get systems, um, even building some of our own temperature enclosures and things like that, like our own thermometers and sensors for the greenhouse, the more that we can build those systems in a way that talks to the systems and the apps that we're building for mm -hmm. our own sake, uh, the better. So oh, yeah. it's been really cool to see that progress happen in the Philly house because it's kind of been a two for one Definitely. over there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Zach, moving over to you real quick. Obviously, um, as we mentioned, the ramp up in speed for uh, everything in the greenhouse really just goes zero to 60 because you're either under 80 degrees right. and mm -hmm. the plant is still somewhat thinking it's you know not winter we're a tropical state we're in florida but it's their winter mm -hmm. if it's 65 70 mm -hmm. and then yeah once they hit that 84 82 it's summer mode we don't really even get like spring it's yeah we there, get, there is no in between yeah <laughs> yeah especially in a greenhouse because you have no doubt it's named this way for a reason the greenhouse effect because you have plastic roofs 
curtains on the side of the greenhouse. So naturally, if as long as it's not a cloudy day, especially as we get further out of the December shorter day time windows and stuff, um, you're going to get a lot more convection happening in the greenhouse. It's going to heat up a lot more. I know Sam's been on top of like just trying to vent. We do. We can control in the same way we control irrigation remotely. We can right. also control the venting of the greenhouse with fans and things. We'll get to that. But everything's been zero to 60. So there's been a lot more stuff for you to film. I know you've been doing the plant of the week. How's that been going? And just filming from I know you're doing a lot of film. How's the life in, in, in yeah. capturing what what else is happening in Gabriela? It's been uh, it's been great, like you said. It definitely uh, just is pedal to the metal, you know. Usually all the time, so it's great just being able to go over there. I've been working a lot with Brett. Um, he recently did a little like virtual presentation with his college that uh, him yeah, and Courtney yeah. yeah graduated from, and so I did a little like greenhouse tour uh with brett just kind of going over the all the different just bench benching systems and you know basically like the whole little rundown of what we do and what we do differently and everything that he was able to go and bring to the class and kind of teach them and show them you know what what sets us apart and what brett is able to you know start implementing and doing that's gonna help just grow Gabriel even more mm -hmm. but uh but yeah it's it's great and I mean Brett is just full of knowledge so yeah, I'm actually today running over there and I think you were saying he's planting um he's got something bloomed and he's got yeah. some seeds and he's, he's got yeah little, he's really excited special, about yeah. Oh, yeah he said it's you know something that there's not a lot of so he's going to be rooting them so yeah i don't he's even know yeah, yeah i don't even know what it is but yeah, just, that's how you know that brett is really excited though is when he starts and it's the same with me too i'm a little bit this way too but when like you're not even able to address what you're excited about you're yeah. just like it's here it's here and you're like and everyone else is just going like wait what are we talking about? Like I'm excited that you're one? excited, but I don't know yeah. what we're excited yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, what are we excited about? No, 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 you don't get it. It's like it's it's, it's just doing it, and you're like, okay. It's like again. all right, just tell me when and where. I'll be there with my camera, exactly. and we'll, we'll get it. Yeah, and and as a as a, I mean, I you and I used to work together on different content projects. I mean, that is a content creator's dream mm -hmm. is to have somebody else that has the knowledge, and not only has the knowledge, you have plenty of really really smart people in the plant community and in all different sorts of communities. It's not always that you get paired with somebody who doesn't mind being on camera, doesn't mind right. teaching mm -hmm. it and doing right. that side of things. It's not always that you get Have the higher education both, right? and, and the knowledge, but also the desire to to teach it and to share it. So yeah. luckily you have that in Brett. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I mean, it's just, it's an endless resource pretty much. Oh yeah, oh, yeah definitely. And uh, yeah, so all of that's been great. Um, How about plan of the week? Yeah, that's been that's been good. That I mean, for me, I think is really cool because you know I'm still new into the whole plant world, so you know I'm learning every day. And with those, you know, I really get to learn one just about the specific plant, but then I get to go and whether it's you or Brett sending me information about the plant or me just going on line and researching the plant, learning about it so that I can teach other people. Like that's really cool for me, being able to just you know, learn and then share that knowledge with other people, even if it's just little things that for me is like, oh, I didn't know that. But yeah, it's that's definitely really exciting. And taking those videos and I actually started a uh, TikTok account for oh, Gabriella. Oh. 
Yeah, so I'm not a TikToker. Okay, I, uh, okay. This is okay. I'm so glad you brought this up. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, I mean, it's definitely a new, a new realm for me. You know, my I've got a younger brother who's uh, pretty big on TikTok. He does like video game edits and everything. But uh, I don't know. I, it's, I mean, obviously, it's a fantastic app to reach people and just to share random fun content and everything. So I've been having uh, having some fun with that. Uh, Sam, are you are you are you a TikTok? I'm I'm a little bit TikTok. I'm <laughs> I'm in the same boat as Zach, where I feel like I I uh, got to it a little later than everybody else. So there's a little bit of the learning curve, mm-hmm. but it definitely is. You can post just some random stuff, and the most random things get picked up, and just yeah. like all of a sudden, it's got five thousand views. Yeah, I was trying like, to understand whoa. the like the algorithm of it, and it's just like. I don't think you can. I think yeah, from everything I understood, it's like thing. because you only get served one thing at a time, the algorithm is like so hard to even decipher what it is because you only get yeah. one thing. But we don't, I mean, when you first addressed, when you first, you came to me, what, two, three weeks ago and you were like, hey, do we have a TikTok? I'm thinking about TikTok. And I was yeah. like, well, I, I reserved the username really long time ago, took two looks at it and was like, uh, how do we make <laughs> plant content like here? Yeah. Um, and you've been able to do some really cool stuff with it. And then, so fast forward, um, I'm so glad you brought this up because I'm looking for this video right now. Um, you, I, We had that brief conversation, what, five minutes or so? And I was like, cool, here's the whatever. And I gave you the one-time password. You got all logged in. Mm-hmm. And then you sent me, I think later that night, that you had gone over to the growing location and that there were some ideas cooking and that you'd have something for me. And then... I don't know. What was it like a day late after that? You sent me, okay, I, I found this video. Is that right? Like, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Well, this is actually just a combination of old footage, like footage that I've just been capturing in the past few months, some footage that you captured before I was even here, and then just a random idea that just happened late at night. And he's like, you know right, what? That would be kind of funny. Sam, you got you to gotta, you gotta see this. this so out. I haven't actually watched it on TikTok because I don't have a... TikTok, but um, we're gonna watch it. Give, uh, give Gabriel Plants Online a follow, bro. Oh, well, I need to go create a TikTok <laughs> account first. I have enough plants in my life. Please don't buy more. No, please stop. Where will we put them? Oh, geez. Here we go again. Oh, snap. That spinning. Dude, Migs dancing kills Migs me dancing? every single time. Okay, see, that's the mo- that was my reaction, too. Yes, like- that, that one clip is pure gold. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing's gold, but that alone, that's got to be turned into something else. That's an old clip, too. That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, that clip well, just makes me feel happy. Like, I saw that, and same. like, that is, that is a mood right there. Yeah, He's just dancing just with the, the fertilizer good vibes and the only. Aisle. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I'm really, uh, really excited to see what else comes through. Uh, yeah, after... After I put that together, I was talking to Migs about just some other creative, fun, you know, TikTok ideas. So definitely keep nice. an eye out for for uh, some future videos with Migs because definitely cooking up some some interesting. I mean, it's going to be oh. you know you know educational right. slash entertaining slash just you know. I feel like TikTok too is like one of those. Anytime you have a newer platform or you're new mm-hmm. of to anything, mm-hmm. you get like the newbie pass. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of like. I feel like TikTok's still at that where there isn't as much. Like Facebook's been around so long that not even not taking it into why they police content, but like there's just so many rules, so many. Okay, it has to be this long, but it has to be in this aspect range. TikTok is just mm-hmm. like if you can get us 
the clip, it rolls into the algorithm and it's kind of that like simple or so it seems. It doesn't yeah. seem like it's nearly as complex as some of the other like more full fledged social networking. So yeah, it's all just hidden behind the curtain. So it's like I'll post something and be like, all right, that's it. I'm done. We'll see. We'll see if it does well. If it doesn't, all right. Then... So if they want to, if they want to follow this TikTok, or if I want to go fi- find this TikTok, is there like a? Uh, yeah, check it out. It's Gabriella Plants Online at Gabriella, at Gabriella Plants Online. Yeah, okay. same so, as the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Cool. Um, well, that's awesome, Zach. Um, thanks for the updates in that regard. Um, yeah. Sweet. Well, I think that that pretty much wraps up um, the housekeeping announcements. The only other thing I had uh, very quickly is. Uh, today's Wednesday, uh, either later tonight in our newsletter email or perhaps later this week, um, we will be putting out a message uh, about the fact that we're going to be hiring um, more seasonal shippers for the spring season. So if you're in a spot right now where you're in Central Florida and are looking to have a uh, have a job and be part of a team that ships all of our plants to all of our customers all throughout the United States, uh, you can apply and find more details on our website uh, later on this week. So we will be doing that, um, probably start doing interviews the last week of March or so. So that's in line with, we normally expand, Sam, the, the shipping team in that April-ish right. time. Once they, right. you know, plants do the zero to 60 and then right. the next thing is... And we uh, do the same. Yeah, we got to do the same to keep up with planting more and uh, shipping more as well. So that wraps up uh, all my housekeeping announcements. So I think we can just go ahead and get just straight into the show. Um, I, I Like I said, at the top of the show, we, we, we went, we... I asked this question into our Facebook group for the Every Plant Story podcast. Link will be in the show description. And I kind of just said, hey, we're, you know, we don't have a guest this week. Is there anything you'd love to see us, you know, address and talk about? And we had a, what was it, three, five different people um, who commented some different things that I kind of picked out. And a lot of the questions kind of honestly revolved around more or less the same thing, which is, you know, kind of going through how we decide what we grow, um, what kind of soil we use, some of the kind of just the basics of uh, what we do in the greenhouses. So uh, I guess we'll go ahead and jump right into that. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we've got some questions yep, yep, yep. Um, from the Facebook group. First one is from Ashley. She's asking, I'd love to know more about the soil you use and the method of propagation used to grow more. Do you account for cuttings not taking? question by not taking i'm assuming she's meaning not being successful right rooting. right yeah it's a little bit of the play um about the soil um soils have been something we've honestly been playing with especially since brett came in um i'll answer a lot i'll answer these questions there are grower questions but a lot of these things are i think at the time or right now probably best answered by me because a lot of mm-hmm. what we do is still kind of how our family business has always done it right um sam you've been around for forever uh, on the wholesale end too but as Brett's been around, some of these things are slowly starting to change. But for soil, um, we do use a mainly peat soil. So we've used a couple different suppliers. We've used Berger products in the past. Um, we've used Old Castle soil, um, but mainly peat. And then we mix in perlite at different um, ratios, depending on the plant, to provide more aeration. Although more recently, we're in talks with a, a soil company um, based in the UK, I believe, um, but that has uh, domestic here in the United States and Canada production of uh, a wider range of the materials we would need, like uh, orchid bark, uh, the different size perlites, which is actually harder to find than you would think it's, it is. Um, they make really coarse perlite. They make really fine perlite. Um, so we're currently working with uh, Victor with that company to, to kind of 
put together our own custom mixes that um, better serve the larger stemmed plants that we grow, like silver sword, pink princesses, because those would ultimately, um, they don't have any problems with peat, but the peat that we use for most plants is fairly ground up, fairly thin, and, and, and um, is easily compactable, which is something that the larger stem phil phil uh, philodendrons and then your Hoyas, they really want more airflow to their roots and, and they don't want to be in waterlogged. So we help that with perlite. Um, these newer soil mixes also introduce things like the bark, as well as the peat itself being far more um, uh, coarse. It's almost more like, um, yeah, it's just larger strands. It's not as, as processed. So it does a better job of holding shape and helping to support those larger and heavier cuttings upright is the other upside to using those newer soils. So it's in the mix. We've also played in the past with, I think the, the campos that we ran last week, that trial batch was something I planted in my backyard. And at the time I used a, a mixture of cocoa core and perlite and a little bit of heat. So we've been playing with it, but in the summertime, the reality is soil tends to stay in peat and the common request from customers is, you know, this takes a long time to dry out. And there is kind of an always struggle between those two, th two things because while the plant is growing up, not in the winter in our greenhouses, uh, you're talking about daily temperatures near 100, if not exceeding 100 for several hours of the day. So the amount of water retention that's needed for that plant to not take on dehydration and all that other stuff um, is a bit more moisture retention than you would necessarily desire in a home. But we always recommend that you keep a plant in its current soil for at least the first two weeks after getting it. A dark box is enough to adjust to. The sun's going to be in a different position. You know, it's enough adjustment for the plant as is, but obviously feel free to adapt to the soil medium that works for your locale because um, what we grow in is, is always going to be a little bit different. And what was the, the second half of that? Um, oh, do you account for cuttings not taking? Oh, right, right, right. Um, yeah, it. yes, we do, but on the species that we worry it, with that about, I think mm. is the right answer. There are things, obviously, with things that we plant with one cutting per pot, like Pink Princess, things like that, you don't really need to account for it so much. It's just as simple as planting it and having it come back around. Uh, other things that we plant more cuttings into one pot, like a ne uh, Neon Pothos mm -hmm. or um, even like Rio, things like that, we tend to overstick by about one cutting just to make sure that if one fails. Um, but most of the time, cuttings don't fail without... In the state they're planted, it's not a very high thing that we have failure rates. It's most of the time because when you then moved that tray, you shifted the cuttings again and it slightly came out of the soil and dried out too much. Um, something like that is the primary cause of anything that does not take. Um, we don't deal with a lot of fungus or any other soil-borne problems that prevent us from, from rooting in plants. But mm. I guess it does depend on the species, and there are ones that, as growers, we know that it's more preferred to do that on. It's a good question, though. Nice. What else do they have? Right. That actually kind of, uh, uh, Ashley's question kind of hits another one from uh, another listener, Lisa, who asked also about soil and whether we mix our own. But, uh, and you mentioned this a little bit with the 
you know, fertilizer and the other things we mix in. Uh, she wanted to know about not only the soil, but fertilizer. And, you know, is it plant specific? Is there a schedule? Uh, like I said, sometimes we mix it in the soil. Sometimes it's water soluble. So yeah, yeah. So fertilizing and then also like, do we mix our own soils? We mix our own soils. We try to order soil when we can. Obviously, mm -hmm. COVID and, and what 2020 was for not just the ag industry, for right. plenty of industries. Uh, heat packs are a whole nother podcast we could do on the supply chain problems with that. Um, but one of the things is obviously soil can be uh, changed suppliers. And even the company that we used to get soil from has somewhat pulled out of supplying Florida at this point uh, post-COVID. So things shift a little bit, but do we mix our own? We try to order in as close to the common denominator soil mix we would need. So I think probably right now, you know, obviously I don't work at the greenhouses every single day anymore, but we probably plant 50% of what we plant without any extra mixing going mm -hmm. on, just using what comes out of the bag because it is kind of the common denominator. The other 50%, yeah, we'll mix in the perlite and we just have a big old concrete mixer uh, that we can basically pour Toss it, it around. Yeah, we can pour a three cubic foot bag of soil in there and add whatever added things like the additional perlite or, or bark or like you mentioned, fertilizer. Um, and we can mix that on site, dump it into a um, concrete mixing container, um, which we use as kind of soil bins uh, to have on the bench as we're filling pots. Kind of gives you a working area where the soil doesn't spill out onto the ground. Right. Um, going to fertilizer, uh, you said, uh, is it plant specific? Um, we pretty much only have two fertilizers that we use right now. Um, the granular NutriCoat uh, time release fertilizer, which is 60 or six months and is uh, roughly 18, eight, 16 or something. It's a, it's like an, or 18, 18, 18. It's a very common, just overall foliage mix, um, in a granular form that slowly releases. We do sell it on our website from time to time. Again, it kind of goes with supply demand again, right. that I would say probably what 80% Sam of what we plant gets NutriCoat. There, yeah. there are a handful of the Hoyas and other things that really, not even that they don't like the the normal granular fertilizer, right. but they do a lot more with absorbing nutrients, not only from the roots that are in the soil, but the rest of the plant. And for plants that exhibit that type of behavior, we will use water soluble. So we have in our irrigation system in the front, uh, our irrigation at the original growing location is split up into two different essentially grids. And each grid has a fertilizer injector at a 1% ratio um, and a large trash can that we can mix in a water soluble mix per our desired ratios and then open a set of valves. And instead of getting clean water delivered to all the irrigation, you now get water that is also injected with the water syllable so we don't have to mix up uh watering cans or that kind of thing you can just use the hose as you normally would most of the stuff that's water syllable right now is actually in the philly house mm -hmm. so most of that's just stuff i do um and water myself so for the most part everything we do is with um the same fertilizer so it's not super plant specific if you know there may be a few plants if anything is plant specific it may be the timing not as much the dosing um, things like scandapsis tend to do a little bit better without fertilizer. Um, they're a little bit pickier on some of the, I mean, think of fertilizer kind of like processed food. It is nutrients, but there's also a lot of other 
you know, names you can't pronounce, like the back of a food packaging label. Um, and skindapsis, some plants will be fairly sensitive to those kind of um, chemical attributes to it. And skindapsis, in our experience, has seemed to be kind of that. They're a little bit picky. Um, it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter a whole lot unless the granular pellet is right where the root is trying to form. But if it is, it, it will prevent that root from forming. So there's a few plants that if anything is plant specific, it's the timing at which we apply the fertilizer, not so much the dosing or changing the fertilizer that we apply. Gotcha. Hmm. Is that interesting? Yeah. A fair, fair oh, answer yeah, for that? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, what else? That actually kind of... Uh, touches on another one of Lisa's questions, um, which is watering. How often, uh, uh, you know, what are the differences between plants? You know, watering how, how do we water? Yeah. Yeah. Um, good question. Again, yeah, th these are all like greenhouse 101 stuff. This mm -hmm. is really cool. Um, watering has changed a little bit. When we first took over the greenhouse um, from my dad in 2017, most everything that was in a size four inch or smaller was done by these really big overheads that watered, I mean, larger than a master bedroom. Uh, I, mean, how, I mean, this huge amount of space right. at the same time. Um, and the plants that were either on the hanging basket lines or were on the benches that were equipped with drippers had dripper irrigation. And we really only had those two. Um, in the past two years, we've put in where most of the benches now have independent watering instead of the overheads covering roughly four to five benches at a time. So that's given us a lot more control. Um, how often do we water? It depends on the size of the pot, the temperature inside the greenhouse, and the type of watering device used for that bench. Um, so even within all of the benches that we have that look fairly uniform, that they all have misters, there are different color tops um, that output different gallons per minute. So depending on the pot size, depending on how much we want to water at a time, we can go with a variety of different types of misters to deliver different amounts of water. Three inch pots in general, we err on the side of watering for a very short duration of time, but about twice as often as we do larger plants. Um, in the larger volumes of soil, like a six inch or an eight inch, you want to provide more time to allow the soil to more fully dry out. But in those smaller pots, you have the opposite problem where a three inch pot can dry out in a very short window of time. So the need to water very often is there. But um, how often? About every day in the summer, about every third day in the winter time. And right. kind of as we said at the top of the show, Florida is really good about not having many days where there's anything in between those two things. Either right. you don't need to water or, yeah, you need to water as right. at 9.05 because it's already 90 degrees. Right. Um, so how often? For the most part, daily, every other day. Um, water all the same. We all, we water, every plant gets watered in the same way as far as we have a single valve to water the bench, but the amount of water and, and the way that the water is delivered to each plant varies depending on the size of the plant that may be a good video idea zach mm. um i feel like that's yeah. like a concept that audio doesn't do justice to sure. very well a little walkthrough of the the watering system yeah because there's a lot of differences in how many gallons you know on the calathea benches we use the very fine mist which puts out a lot of water but we run it for a very 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 short duration mm. um just to increase the humidity and keep mist up and then there's other plants like hybrid philodendrons and some of the other philodendrons that will get that bacteria bite if their leaves remain wet for too long. 
Um, we prefer to grow those on drippers if we could. And then obviously in the smaller pot size, we rather water that every third day mm-hmm. and keep the water off the leaves as much as possible. So that's about how it, how it does. Um, you also said, did you say something about like, do we water from bottom? Yeah, they were something? asking if we, uh, you know, top down or bottom up. Everything we do is is top down right yeah. now. We don't have any submerged benches. Yeah, no, I know uh, Brett has some submer- submerged plants mm-hmm. in his personal mm-hmm. collection that I was looking at the other day that are pretty sweet. Yeah, but they're probably referring to like flooding beds mm. where essentially the what we think of as a bench in our right. greenhouse is just one big thing you can fill up like a, two inches deep. Right water the bottom of the pot and then drain it back out mm. um in fact um madge's greenhouses for the anthuriums are oh, set up to water that way i see um i think some of them are dripper but they are set up in a type of bench that could do that gotcha um, so that's an option for watering a lot of what we do though just with the high temperatures is have to keep foliage somewhat hydrated right. as well is um, that a is that a specific like bench build out yeah you would have to get I yeah see. yeah it's it it's just a really big kiddie pool gotcha. like metal kiddie pool right, that's right, you right. know just a couple inches <laughs> up a couple inches deep so you can put uh um you know who else does it a lot of uh of micropropagation tc labs would oh, do that. i see just because it's such a small volume of soil that right. they can put in that bottom you know even what half an inch right and it's going to water that bench without having to hope that mist heads evenly spread and hit every single plant, especially when you have plants so close together, you know, pot to pot, real smushed up against each other. Right. The bottom is very bottom fed is very, very efficient at not having to hope that right. the water from your hose or the water from mm, your mist head through. is actually penetrating right. every single bench on that or every single plant on the bench. Right. So that makes sense. Uh, we don't have any bottom no. up though. Um, maybe one, one more or two more. Let's see let's, what else we got. Let's see what else we got. You got We're on a good there? roll. Um, I've got one more from Lisa. I don't think you touched on this, but she's just asking general question about like the sun. Like, what's the position of the greenhouse? Um, shade ooh, cloth. Ooh. Like, is so there is a- there a science that goes behind that? You know, um, but you know, just more general sun and greenhouse positioning and how you kind of balance shade and direct sunlight and everything that's a very good question honestly a question that i had to do some research on more recently as discussed in the last episode uh we'll make a bigger announcement about this soon but uh we're building more greenhouses on my wife and i's property now which is just right around the corner from from gabriella so i'm had the exact same question of which way to orient um it does matter okay so back up a little bit there's a about, I don't want to say an exact number, but roughly speaking, there's about six different styles of greenhouses. I'm sure there's endless numbers, but you have kind of open air airflow, you have sawtooths, you have traditional hoop houses. Um, they all come with different pros and cons, um, not only in what they do for regulating temperatures and like how they are like to grow in, but also in the sense that each one of those different metal framing styles has a different price point too. Um, hoops are a, a cheaper, a sh- cheaper greenhouse to fabricate than something that has more angles and is more structurally uh, supported, like a, a more complex sawtooth greenhouse. So, at, to answer the question of orientation stuff, the traditional best, and this is for Florida recommendations. If you're building a large greenhouse in a different part of the country, I would strongly advise you get in contact with either a grower you look up to locally. 
um, and be able to bounce ideas off of them or reach out to your Department of Agriculture because there may be different um, things to note in different elevations or, or things like that. But Florida, where we're very, very flat mm-hmm. and we ha- we're very close to the equator, um, the sun moves more or less along the southern, you know, it goes east to west, obviously, but it rotates on a southern um, approach to us. Um, so most greenhouses in Florida that are openly vented, meaning they don't have any fans that are forcing airflow, just fan, um, and you have open sides, op- or in this case of our greenhouses at the original growing location, you have sawtooths that have the top that also have a top vent, as well as the vents on the sides. If you have vents on the sides, meaning it's not a totally enclosed building, it's best to orient the long width that you want air to flow left to right in, um, with either side being on the east and west. Not only for the airflow, because in Florida you have a lot of sea breezes that come in east to west, so in the summer that's your best shot at getting some, without a fan, airflow to enter the greenhouse. Mm. Um, But you also have a roof that if the sun passes you know east to west like it does you want it to be angled towards pitched up towards the southern approach because you have the longest duration of full exposure of sun to the roof if you were to orient them long ways then in the early early mornings your rightmost structure and roof would get more light and in the afternoon hours your left side or your west side would get more light so by orienting the greenhouse roofs to face east to west you then allow the sun to essentially hit the roof the entire duration it's in the air Mm -hmm. so for even lighting and if you have the space that's the recommended thing if you get into enclosed greenhouses like what we're building at brooks it it matters a lot less the wind direction doesn't matter um, nearly as much when you're entirely closing it and there is no venting in that sense. You have fans. The way that Brooks will work is by having a, a cool pad, which has a water pump sunken into the ground and a wes- reservoir, and it slowly drips water over an entire big cardboard apparatus. And on the far other end of the greenhouse, the far other end of the hoop, there are two, for each hoop, two very large volume fans that will kick on in coordination with the water flowing over the pad and will actively, because the rest of the greenhouse is, is closed and airlocked, it will pull all the airflow that it needs to through that cardboard um, contraption, that EVAP cooler, um, which increases your humidity and lowers your temperature inside the greenhouse. When you're building those, the only real f- factor in consideration that I learned after talking to a lot of people myself this past week is the whole sun thing. Mm. What, what way do you want the sun to attach to the roofs? But other than that, it, if you're not using open venting, it doesn't matter as much. So hopefully that's a little bit more enlightening. Um, the biggest thing is do what works for you. Um, plants are very good at adapting. Uh, the best thing you can do is, regardless of your greenhouse being built in the most ideal way or a less than ideal way or whatever it is, um, try to keep the plant once you plant it, relatively speaking, in the same spot, especially if you know you're setting yourself up where you're going to have um, widely different sun exposures, depending on the area of the greenhouse, right? You have to orient your greenhouse hoops north to south for whatever reason. Um, then you probably don't want to do a whole lot of week to week moving something from the north side to the south side, et cetera, et cetera. Plants are very good at adapting to what you give them. 
Um, so don't overthink trying to compensate for something, even if it's not the most ideal. Mm-hmm. That was basically the recommendation I got. And I'll, I'll link in the show notes to um, Sam, remind me about that. Um, mm-hmm. U- University of Florida has a kind of two page um, basics on how a greenhouse uh, things to consider when when operating a greenhouse. Nice. Uh, it's a good little two pager. Again, hmm. applicable to people in the state of Florida. Right. Obviously, University of Florida is the biggest ag school in the state, and you know the different challenges. I'm sure are slightly different in the different regions of the country. So, yeah. Hopefully, that kind of answers about greenhouses. Um, shade cloth was the other thing, or lighting. Uh, we do use Lux meters, um, LUX, um, to measure the luminance ratings of the sun and we now are even producing our own temp or our own iot sensors just like a thermometer a, a thermostat type of temperature sensor we're also building those that measure light as well so you don't have to just measure light when you walk around with a handheld meter um, which is a great option it's a great baseline of where to get started we're actually currently building a bunch of clear-topped project boxes that will measure different light exposures at bench levels for multiple greenhouses at a time just because it's another data point and going back to the whole wrap it all into one that's another thing we could potentially put into uh, every plant story when we when we release the data from the stakes and as we continue to evolve that over time so we do measure the lighting for the most part on our greenhouses because considering florida gets so much sun um, we have to do a lot more than what most probably as far as reducing lighting, especially in the summer when you have the longer days. So we have two right now, most of our greenhouses are set up dual poly roofs, plastic roofs. Um, there's two of them on top of each other and a, a air blower that blows it up like a balloon, which gives you a little bit more, um, give and, and responsiveness to light wind gusts and things without putting pressure on the, the harder surfaces of the greenhouse kind of gives it some flex. Each one of those cuts about 45% of UV. Obviously, it, that doesn't mean we have 90% cut by having two of them, but it's if you were going to go order the plastic, that's what it's called. And then for some of our real low light plants, like the dark green, Philly, the jade, um, some of the uh, skindapsises even, we will put additional shade cloth of like 35 or 50%. Um, either inside the greenhouse hung internally or in the winter time when heat is not a factor we'll, we'll put them on top of the, the greenhouse roofs as well it's an easier installation but it can kind of backfire once we get into summer mm. and the winds pick up because florida i mean we have hurricanes we also just have mini hurricanes every afternoon yeah. i mean sam you you know what it's like to be in the greenhouse at three right when the right. Right when the wind's kicking in you're, you're like, like oh, the world's ending right now mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nothing is scarier than being in that greenhouse when the wind is like going. Oh, I yeah. love it. Yeah. But it is, you know, people complain about their house making like sounds at night or right. whatever. That place makes like some everything's sounds. moving in there. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's a that's a really good question though. And uh, maybe Zach, we can um, use as we go into the building Brooks towards the end of um, at the new greenhouse is at my house towards the end of this month. Maybe we can put together some videos kind oh, of before yeah. and after Definitely. too because. That will be nice. Um, a lot of what we had to do, Sam, for the original growing location has been <laughs> making things not look super pretty, but functional because we don't have time necessarily to go through. Right now, it would be too big of an operational challenge to like rip out every piece of PVC. So there's a lot of just cutting and splicing pipes and things. But the Brooks installation will be a, a whole new from scratch. 
um, set up. So yeah, that, that'll be a really cool. That'll be a lot to easier to show exactly how we're how we're running PVC and irrigation. Um, irrigation is obviously really crucial. I won't even put plants over there till we get water in there. But yeah, um, that'll be a cool story to tell too, because that may be helpful to people like Lisa and the other people who ask questions revolving greenhouse stuff because that's also a much smaller greenhouse than our our main greenhouses so it's more accomplishable perhaps to other people or at least is more close to what they may have on their horizon right um okay so one more question here um from sherry and she asks uh greenhouse setup do you use fans uh how often Mm. do you run the fans what kind of water do you use do you treat the water that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. No. Good question. Um. Fans. <laughs> Sam, do you want to take fans? Because I feel like you, uh, you know the fans. Well, I feel like uh, if she was asking about you know the fans that we run on you know in the aisles, we definitely we've got two big like shop fans that are mm-hmm. like the big ones mm-hmm. you get from Home Depot. Uh, those we usually just have one at the very front of the greenhouse, one at the very back of the greenhouse. That's just kind of get the air moving in the aisle. Um, and then we do have a lot of mini, like smaller fans that we'll use, uh, with extensions, right. Which employees will use, you know, if you're down a bench, you know, and you want to get some airflow, point it down there where you, wherever you're going to work to just keep the air moving. So you don't, you know, keel over. Yeah. I Um, mean, fans are a huge part of, of, of keeping the place cool. Definitely. Uh, Especially because our current, that does, is just open venting. Right. So the best thing you have as far as like regulating temperatures is just opening, vents allowing hot air to escape through the top of the sawtooth vent hoping that airflow comes in the other ways and yeah we do have a lot of of not small but you know just kind of uh traditional box fans different things like that that are more lightweight than the larger shop fans are that employees can using an extension cable kind of drag around to wherever they need uh and are working at and in this upcoming summer, now that we've moved shipping away from our original location to the location we're recording this podcast at Aloma, it also frees us up to be able to do some of the tasks like propagation where, cause that's probably the worst task to do in the summer heat. Cause you are for the most part standing in the same spot for several hours, you know, at least if you're, it's just as hot, but at least if you're moving plants around or performing some of the other actions, you know, you're walking into the center aisle a lot, you're getting in front of those bigger fans, um, the propagation and the stuff that you do down a bench is the stuff that is really hard, you know, really hard on you physically because it's just you got to stand there for six hours. So now that we have the that building that we built on site for shipping at the time, the HQ building, um, I think over summer you may see us try to relieve some of those hottest hours of the day and get some of the people who are doing those kind of repetitive tasks in one spot, um, just utilizing the nursery carts and stuff we have. Um, to do that in a, a way that keeps them safe. And definitely, I mean, in the summertime, fans are about the only thing you have, but that's not good enough. I mean, right. <laughs> really, yeah. um, it's it, right. a lot of a lot of the heaviest weight for Sam and for me and for Brett at the greenhouse and even Courtney in the in the position she is in the greenhouse is to keep an eye on people's health because, you know, we care about hitting our goals and making sure that we um, do everything that our customers need and, and keep serving them very well, but you got to take care of yourself and, right. you know, it's, it's hard to have to tell somebody to go home, but it's a lot easier to catch that way early on than right. let it get to the point of severe hydration. So right, right. luckily we've never had that issue on property, but it, it takes a lot of 
a lot of keeping yeah, up. You got to keep it up in the front. Of, you have to drink water actively. You yeah, know? you got to really stay on top on of you. that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And once you're once you're thirsty, you're behind. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and just like you were mentioning with being able to keep up with it, the other thing that gets difficult, as I mentioned with the zero to sixty thing, and how quickly that happens, and how quickly all these plants start having more growth, and with more growth comes more risk for pests and Unfortunately, that all happens in the timing that the heat is also increasing quite significantly. Um, but there's also a real phenomenon in the greenhouse where once it starts, once you're at 60 and you're, you're going again, there really isn't ever a point that you catch up like in an official way. So it can be a job that can very easily leave you thinking you have to push yourself that extra you know, mile at the end of it to get the rest of it done because it can be not overwhelming in a bad way, but there's every morning, even if you did everything you meant to do the day before, there's more leaves, there's more things to do because it's just that constant ongoing thing. And plans are only so good because some of our plans are reliant on the the plants doing their part of the plan. And unfortunately, they don't get to read the same sheets of paper and the Slack messages we send <laughs> each other. So they can operate on their own schedule. But it is something that can easily become overwhelming and it's a important part to pace yourself not only in the physical fans and staying hydrated and that kind of stuff but also in just it's okay that you're not 100 percent caught up learn and do what you can and come back the next day i think that's part of part of being a grower at the end oh, of the yeah. day um with that anything else from you guys no, all right guys that's it, yeah well, that's today's show. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Certainly let us know what you think on our Instagram at Every Plant Story and rank and review us on your favorite podcast app. It really does help us out. Also, Sam, did you see that we are currently 48th? I did see that. Almost the end of the list, but yes. we're on the list. Top of, 50 of, on uh, the list, baby. 48th of the, of, in the home and garden category. That's awesome. So um, in the United States, now you know what was funny. We're number seven in Home and Garden in Russia. So hey. for those of you listening from Russia. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, rate and review us. Let's try to get that higher, shall we? Yeah, uh, that's going to be awesome. Um, heck yeah. As always, um, you can email us your questions, show ideas to podcast at everyplantstory.com. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.